so what's going on people welcome to read the fine print the show i am your host etravius bathia and i have a very 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 special guest with me today chad downing this guy's uh he's an author family man he's been on that forefront of this uh this uh you got what is this organization for people about educating them about the, the medical field and a whole bunch of stuff man religious guy I don't know if you're a pastor or not. I told you, you should be a bishop or something by now. <laughs> I don't know if that happened, but you know, usually you we push back on each other. I feel like I known you. We actually never met in person. We had conversations and right, push right. back and dialogue behind the scenes and on the phone. And I really, really appreciate appreciate you. I told you this before, but I'm yeah. telling you on the record, I really, really appreciate. I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to. I don't think you are. In, you are too. I mean, right. either, but. Um, like just the pushback and the stuff you were sharing, you That's were doing what I was doing, but more serious, I think, <laughs> and from a and a lot of times, but more from a religious standpoint. That I didn't, I don't necessarily agree with everything you write, right. but uh, you I do appreciate you. you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, do appreciate you though, brother. So I'm giving you your flowers while you can smell them, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. And let, let me go on record. Before, say all that nice stuff. Yeah, and let me go on record before. So for so people that don't know. Nobody knows this, but you. I don't even know if you know this. You was one of the first person I asked to do the podcast years ago, yeah. and I'm finally getting you, to, getting you on the podcast. I kept saying yes, though. That's what's why yeah, I kept you, saying yes. So, so I guess it's, I guess it's both of us. I guess it's yeah. both of us. Yeah. yeah, but also to be fair, um, I I started podcast at least four times and never finished. Like started one up, but then I did an episode. I'm like, yo, I don't like my voice. I don't like this. I don't like that. And just never put them out. So this is the first one. Read the fine print is the first one that I'm actually sticking with. So I'm like, like 40 episodes in. So, but you were one of the first people that asked to do it. This was years ago. But what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, it, it, oh, listen, man, I, I am enjoying life, man. Uh, it's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't complain, man. It's, it's, you know, sometimes I feel bad saying that, considering where a lot of people are. Uh -huh. uh, but you know, um, I'm I'm good. It's it's a lot. It's heavy. I got four babies. Uh, uh -huh. My oldest is I don't know if I even told you all of it. So so yeah, yeah I got four babies, man. Uh, we yeah. have a three year old, a one and a half, a one year old, and two twins. Twins that are eight months. Damn. Yeah, you've been busy. That's why I haven't been seen. <laughs> Yo, I, I keep yo. I, I tell people all the time, man. I'll do whatever I can do for you, but yeah. my kids and my wife run my house, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Nah, that makes sense with all them. Like, yeah. So I think I we met before you even right. had all of that, man. So right. damn, I didn't know you was that busy, right. man. Right, 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 You've right, been right. busy, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. no, 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 no condoms in your house. <laughs> well, I mean, we we had no birth some. control, no birth we control. But you know, it was because you know. uh Thankfully, we were we were very um, what's the word I'm looking for? We we're very intentional about. Okay. It. So, you know, my wife and I got married. Uh, we've been married about ten years now. So, okay. You know, the first I say about seven, yeah, about seven years. Like we we just were not we didn't you know we wanted to be married. You know, okay. we wanted to get to know each other and stuff like that. Marriage is hard, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we were trying to build careers and stuff like that, and we just waited. And then when the time came, you know, we went at it and here we are you know gotcha. um, trust me if we have any more though it's just god's will or something <laughs> <laughs> you know? so have, it's god's will yeah we have precautions in place so yeah, if, yeah. If, if, if i'm on the if i'm on your uh 2000 podcast next year <laughs> i got more kids then you'll know like god just did a move and you know it had nothing to do with had something to do with me but got you got you it's, it's multiple reasons why i wanted you on a podcast man because you use the put your podcast out but you stopped though Right. Well, no. All right. Before we get into that, give people a little bit of background information. Where are you from? How you okay. got? How you got to where you you want? Whatever you want to share about who you okay. are. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess if, if people want to know about me, I guess you know I, I don't know how long the story needs to be, but I'm yeah. I'm from North Carolina, out in the country, uh, small township. Uh, I guess is the technical term of it. Uh, out in Oak Hill, North Carolina. I grew up a country boy, still a country boy. I'm less than less than 50 miles from where I grew up. 
um, out in the country. And I, when I say out in the country, I mean no Walmarts, no stoplights. We had like two or three gas stations. I think they only got one out there now. Um, I grew up on the farm, all kinds of animals, horses, cows, pigs, chickens, you name it. Um, you know, went to a, a basically a rural high school, graduated, uh, went, ended up going to NC State over here in Raleigh. I live in Wake Forest, North Carolina now. But went to state, man, and just never left the area. Um, gotcha. You know, traveling, you know, I get to travel for work and stuff like that, but I never moved anywhere else. Um, you know, uh, graduated from state with a degree in electrical engineering. One of the best decisions, but worst decisions I ever made in my life, because I hated it. <laughs> Worked for a little bit as an engineer, uh, maybe about seven, eight years as an engineer. Um, then pivoted to clinical research, and that's where I've been rocking and rolling for about the last 12 years. So um, that's, I guess that's the shortest version of it. Um, my wife, my wife, ironically, is from Brooklyn. Um, and, you know. We got married about 10 years ago and, and I already talked about the kids and you probably will hear more about the kids because they basically run my life at this point. Yeah. Um, but that's it in a nutshell, man. So how, how, how's the Brooklyn wife going, man? Brooklyn people, I don't know about the women, <laughs> the, the the females, the girls. Yeah. I don't know about them, but the dudes are super extra. Well, How, how's your wife, man? You know no, what? Don't so, don't get don't get divorced on the podcast. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say anything that my wife don't already know. Yeah. You know uh, that that we already have conversations about. To be yeah. honest, man, it's gonna sound crazy, but I always knew I wanted to marry a woman from New York. So my dad lived in the Bronx for a while. Okay, he would go there like summers and stuff when he was younger, and I still got family out that way. So just anytime I was in New York, just like the energy of New York and the energy of of, of you know, some of the women that I ran into from New York. Um, and I, I don't I don't know what it was. And I was just like, man, like, I, I want to marry somebody from New York. Like, you know, and, and lo and behold, that's what happened. And, and it was it was like just a weekend. Uh, a buddy of mine was up there. He was taking a, another job. He works for the NFL or something like that. Uh -huh. He was taking another job. Uh, his girlfriend called me one weekend because he was moving out to wherever. I think he was moving to Texas or somewhere. They wanted to do uh, just a surprise weekend for him. Mm -hmm. um, and she called me and, and said, you know, we want to do this surprise. If you could fly up, that'd be cool. You know, and at the time I had, I, that's when I was really in clinical research, traveling more, you know, I was more of a monitor. Uh, so going to New York for the weekend, it was nothing. Just, just, you know, it was kind of the way life was at the time. Mm -hmm. um, went up there, was spending the weekend. And I had seen pictures of my wife because she went to church with my homeboy. So, you know, they would have group pictures, choir pictures and stuff like that. And I had asked him, I was like, man, who is that? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And he was just like, yo, that's my friend Don and da, 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 da. And I hadn't thought anything else about it. I was like, man, she is dope. I get up there, staying with some other friends. I get up there and I, apparently we were in, she tells me, she tells me we were actually in the same spot the night before because she was at his party. He, he was DJing as well. So she was at the party on Friday night. Then there was a cookout in Fort Greene on Saturday. So, you know, went to the cookout, saw her, and it was funny. I, I, I asked my man, I was, I was like, Will, is that her? Like, I think that's her. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, let me introduce you. So he, he walked, like, we walk over, and he's just like, Chad, Don, Don, Chad. And he left. Like, that was, mm -hmm. that was literally his introduction. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we started talking, and I told her, and she laughs at me because whenever I tell this, because it's true. I said, you know, uh, you're very pretty. And I said, I'm actually looking for a wife. I'm not looking for any friends. My friends list is full. And I'm looking to explore that with you. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know what she felt about it. You know what I mean? But it kind of, it literally went from there. You know, she gave me her number. We talked or whatever. I would fly back and forth and stuff like that. And, you know, it just built from there. So, Yo, for the young, young people listening, young men, that's a hard line right there. <laughs> I'm looking for a wife. My friends list is full. Damn, Listen, that's man. that. That's hard. Where you get that from, man? Where you get that line? Another homeboy of mine, because we were talking. Uh -huh. it's, it's funny because we were talking. You know, uh, at the time I was 31. I was okay. 30. No, I was 30. So you know, you've dated. By the time you're 30, you've dated. You kind of, you kind of made your mistakes. You kind of evaluated. You know who you are in a relationship, who you like to be with in a relationship, and stuff like that. So by the time you hit 30, you're not really, you're not really playing around. Well, I don't know. I wasn't, you know uh -huh. what I mean? And, and, you know, most people that I know, by the time you get 30, 
like you did pretty much everything you were imagining that 12 and 15 or whatever yeah thought dating would be so by the time you get 30 you don't have time for that you know what i mean and i was you know i, I was i had a little bread so i wasn't like you know what i mean i didn't want anybody that was trying to play with me and like waste my money and stuff like that you know that's kind of just the mindset i was in so it was either we're gonna do it or we not you know what i mean you're beautiful and everything i heard about you is great um and I, I feel like I bring enough to the table to at least be competitive with whoever, you know what I mean, <laughs> might be knocking on your door at the same time. Yeah, uh, so let's yeah. see what's what and go from there. And, and you know, she she was with it. And, you know, 10 years later, man, we still rocking and rolling, man. That's what's up. So so one of the main reasons I wanted you on, because mm-hmm. I didn't know you was in this in this work until we, we, we went back and forth on Facebook about the clinical research. Uh-huh. And what organization did you start? So I started DH Carver Clinical Research, and I just started that right at the beginning of COVID, which is crazy because it's something that I was thinking about doing for a long time. So um, I've been in clinical research for going on 12 years now. Uh Um, And for me, it was something that I never even knew existed until some some friends of mine were were telling me about it. They were in the industry. This is, again, I was still an engineer. I never knew it existed. I I had no idea, no concept of what it took for people to take a, a compound, make it into a drug, test it, and then put it on the market. I just had no idea of it. Um, and over time, the more that I did the work, the more I understood how much Black people in general don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, that there's an actual fear of it. Like, just, just a fear of research, a fear of science. You know, obviously for good reason. Um, so that's kind of where D.H. Carver came out. You know, it was, you know, I'm already doing the work. I'm seeing the issues that we have in the black community. I'm seeing the fear. I'm seeing the lack of understanding, lack of information, lack of knowledge, so on and so forth. And, you know, I wanted to leverage what I knew to be helpful to the community. Um, but I also want to make a little bread, too. <laughs> you know, to be clear, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to put the time into it and something like that, you know, but it's more so... Where I would where I would make my money is uh, helping sites, you know, helping them understand how to recruit, um, helping them to make sure that they're not taking advantage of black people, um, helping them understand how to develop their studies and whatnot, so that black people can participate because that's one thing that we typically do not do. Um, we have very low clinical trial participation numbers, um, yeah. and obviously that's for good reason. You know, for for the most part, that's for good reason. Some of it is just. You know, lack of understanding, misunderstanding, lack of opportunity, not knowing, um, not knowing clinical trials may be available to them and stuff like that. So that's that's where D.H. Carver Clinical Research came from. I was just trying to kind of see if there was a hole that I could fill, or there was a hole that I felt like I could fill in just the knowledge base and you know just the understanding in the community of what clinical research is all about. So tell the people that don't know what mm-hmm. exactly is clinical research. So clinical research is really any, any research in human beings, uh, but fundamentally the work that I do is in pharmaceutical development. Uh, so it's primarily helping people take a drug from the compound that they're testing in animals. We help them test it in the four phases of human research. Um, and then from there, help them get it to market. And even sometimes after market, help them understand the impact that the drug is having on the market and things of that nature. So that's, that's fundamentally what it is. It's fundamentally, in my space, uh, pharmaceutical development uh, for human beings. Um, sometimes you can you can get into devices. I've, I've kind of consulted a little bit on device studies. But that's that's nowhere near an area of expertise for me. Um, so that's that's the gist of it. It's primarily developing drugs for, for use in humans. And why, and why is that important? Well, I mean, for me specifically, well, generally speaking, obviously you can look at COVID-19, you know, why is a vaccine important? You know, why is um, why is anything that we do where people are actually taking drugs, putting something into their body to somehow alter the function of what their body is doing? You know, why is that important? And, you know, it really is, it's a health issue. It's helping people. Uh, for the Black community, it's important for me, that we understand it because we take so many prescription medications. 
you know, most of the black people that we know, especially older black people, again, I'm from the South. So, you know, we grew up on all parts of the hall, you know, we grew up <laughs> bacon. Um, from the rooter to the tutor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bacon, sausage, you know what I mean? The ribs, the shoulder, chitlins, if that's how you get down. I did for a little bit. I don't do that no more. Yeah. Um, I told my daddy we don't have to eat slave food no more. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he probably so, wanted to fight you up. Huh? Yeah, nah, nah, yeah. he was cool. My dad's cool. a real chill guy. He kind of okay. laughed it off or whatever. You know, he don't know what he do. So he's still yeah. he, he getting better, man. So you know, we we leave with the diabetes, the heart disease, um, you know, even asthma and stuff like that. So we're the ones who are taking so many of these medications, but at the same time, we have no clue as to how they're made. We don't participate in the trial. So what fundamentally happens is we're taking medications that were designed for white people because the, those are typically the people who are participating in the trial. So all the research data or the bulk of the research data that you're getting is for white people, um, depending on the disease, mostly white women. So, you know, as black people or, or the way we would look at it is not necessarily by race because race obviously is a social construct, but we would look at it as what is their her the ethnic heritage? So, you know, you're of African descent and stuff like that, that, you know, there are some differences to the way this drug may affect you versus the way it affects a white man or a white woman. So um, to me, it's really important in the sense that we're taking these drugs at like increased rates, you know, especially for certain diseases, but we don't participate in the trial. So now you're dealing with these side effects and these issues that maybe we wouldn't have to if we had good research from people that participate in the clinical trial from our community specifically. Yeah, that was, that was a great, great answer. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you know, I mean, I know it's 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 uh you know it's common sense to you at this point, but for the people, the main reason I wanted you on, but obviously we're in COVID and it's the pushback right. uh on the vaccine. Right. And uh well one I wanted before I wanted you way before you was even doing this. We I wanted you on there and we had talk about why I wanted you on there. Right, right later on for the the other part but i think uh part of the conversation is like the education mm -hmm. um so i think what we're doing is educating people by having a conversation about it because i don't i'm not aware that this exists i mean obviously it's millions if not billions of posts on um youtube so maybe there is something where somebody's actually talking about the importance of clinical trials but you you say you saw a need in the marketplace so that's why you created your organization right. Right. and send me all your information you know, after we get off the call, so I can put it up. Um, so well, uh, the question, so let's get like the, cause the fear is based in, it's, it's historical, there's this, you know, white supremacy, I know all that matters. So what is the worst thing that you've seen that's documented in the past 20 years as it, as it relates to clinical trials in black people? Like what's the most egregious thing? Oh, the most egregious thing in the last, 20 years um let's 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 do let's do 40 years let's do in our lifetime what's the what's the what's the thing that's been documented that you like wow that was uh, wow you know i don't when was tuskegee when was i can't that that was in the that was, was that 40 yeah it's, i about to say 30s 30s 40s something like that yeah, yeah yeah well i mean to me there hasn't been anything that was close to that okay uh you know, within our lifetime. And the reason that I say that is because a lot of people kind of associate the Tuskegee experiment with clinical trials. They also associate Henrietta Lacks with clinical trials, but neither of those things were clinical trials. And the reason that I say that is because clinical trials are a very regulated industry. And the things that you could, the things like well, hearing Alexa is a totally different thing because that wasn't even research. That was, they, they just took her stuff and was just like, yeah, we keeping this. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we talk about Tuskegee, they did not have anywhere near the regulatory environment that we have now. So you could call it an experiment, but it wasn't a clinical trial. And to me, that is kind of where everybody leans, regardless of what's happened recently. And, and I can't think of anything recently that's anywhere near that. Um, just just in what, not only what happened, but the impact that it had on the idea of clinical trials. Um, but even in that, they did. It, it wasn't that they did anything to them. It was that they withheld a better treatment from them. So, you know, it starts out, these, these guys have syphilis or whatever, and, and 
to be clear, there were black men and white men involved in the study. Um, and a lot of people that did the recruiting for the black men were, I, I think, at HBCUs, were, were black people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they start them off on this experiment. They want to treat them for syphilis, but a better treatment came out, and they withheld the treatment from the black men is what happened. So it's not like, you know, they had this thing, and they were giving it to them, and it, it gave them syphilis, because I've heard all kinds of stuff, you know, and it's just inaccurate. Yeah. Um, and when we, when we think about that, it's important to know that once that happened, there was just a whole new regulatory regime that came about. Like, you couldn't get anywhere near a Tuskegee experiment now out in the open. You know what I mean? The government can do, you know, all kinds of things about what they're doing. Yeah. But just out in the open, like, just everyday stuff, like, you could not do that. You simply could not do it because there's so much oversight. There's so much paperwork that has to be done to document things. Our whole uh, informed consent process basically was developed because of the Tuskegee experiment. Like there's there's even a statement in every informed consent that you have to submit to an IRB, which is an institutional review board that reviews your study, which is separate from your company, separate from anybody that's working on that drug. And they have to have, a, it has to have, a, you are required when you do a clinical trial that if something better comes out while they're in a clinical trial, you have to let people know. Also, you have to let people know if there are currently alternatives to whatever drug is under study that they're participating in that trial. So for me, I, I would say that Tuskegee just blows everything out of the water, especially like I can't think of anything recent that has had the impact that Tuskegee has had. You know, and when you talk about the vaccines and COVID and, and whatnot, you don't hear anything else. <laughs> you hear Henrietta Lacks, Tuskegee experiment. Yeah. And, and, you know, and both of those are things that when people talk about them, you kind of understand if you are just remotely familiar with what happened that most people don't understand what they're talking about. It's just, yeah, yeah. just this this entity in the back of their minds. Yeah, no, the Tuskegee experiment, man, they gave all them dudes syphilis. And, you know, yeah, now I always say people have no problem being loud and wrong. Loud and wrong, <laughs> yeah. You just like, and, and, which is frustrating because Google is right there. Like, you Google can, is your friend, yo. <laughs> It's Google right. is your friend, bro. Not to right. take a line from Jay Z. Google is your friend, <laughs> right, and right. like I'm glad we having this conversation, man. I appreciate you again because it, it, it be frustrated to me because I'm, I sit on the health board, health a mm. board of a health center, and mm. like you know I have all this information, you know that I get and I try to share and you know I try to make so I always try to put uh, I say the medicine with the candy, right? Mm-hmm. So like some people can laugh and like, oh, that's a thoughtful. I mean, I don't know if it works or not, but that's that's my style of, you know. <laughs> At least that's my method. <laughs> yeah, that's my method because I, I know if like people, if somebody's gonna preach to me for the most part, I'm gonna probably tune out. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. they're gonna keep telling me like, yo, you gotta right. do this, you gotta do that. I'm probably right. gonna be like, unless it's something I'm really really into, I'm probably right. gonna tune out. You know what I'm saying? So I try, right. you know, like the to make my stuff, you know, funny or you know. To, you know, I word stuff in a way that it, it can get traffic, right? Right, right. Um, but beyond that, so it's like, like I said, people have no problem being loud and wrong. It's like the, the information, like if you just Google like uh, a Tuskegee experiment and read like the first link that's not paid, <laughs> the last time I checked, it's like you you wouldn't understand that what you're promoting is completely 100% right, right, right. Just wrong. be careful with it. You know what I yeah, mean? Just, yeah. You know, if you, because this is stuff that affects people's lives. Yeah. You know, people are dying because other people have told them that the vaccine has microchips in it and baby yeah. robots and all this type yeah, stuff yeah. is going to steal your credit card numbers. Like, yeah. people are dying because of that. You know <laughs> he said steal your credit card numbers. Yeah, you know, like, no, this is this is the absurdity that I have heard. You know, people yeah. have heard it has nanotechnology and immediately people start talking about it's putting microscopic robots into your body. And it's just like, just the level of absurdity that's out there. <clears throat> It's dangerous. Like people yeah. are literally dying because they don't understand this stuff. And, and you know, even if they understand it, they're hearing just stuff from all different places, and yeah. they're not able to defend themselves or whatever. Or, so, or so explain to people uh, the COVID vaccine and what you, what you know about. It. I had somebody on here before, uh-huh. but explain it. Explain it again. It, it, I guess it's, it's worth explaining what exactly a vaccine is and how, how it works and how right. it relates to, to COVID and all that type of stuff. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is, this is I'm, I'm stepping a little bit outside of my expertise, but I okay. have spent some time. You know, yeah. I, I don't typically focus on vaccines. Um, yeah. Again, it's typically just the, the clinical research part of it, but I've done some 
some research to look into to at least get the general idea of what happened. Um, so if I say anything that's sideways, forgive me. <laughs> yeah, nah, everybody anyway, Google, Google Google everything. Yeah, Don't believe what we're saying. Yeah, Google exactly, everything. Exactly. Yeah, Google everything you get, whether you agree with it or not. Google right, it right. And, and see if, if the information is correct. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But that being said, um, you know, <clears throat> I mean, you, you think about the flu vaccine. So, I mean, all it really is is we're trying to develop something that you can take, whether intravenously, pill, whatever, that can defend against disease. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, I, I was recently working on an Im- immunotherapy um, trial for brain cancer, and what we were doing in that case was taking the polio virus, a modified polio virus, um, and kind of injecting that in um, <clears throat> to so that your body, your immune system could recognize something in there that is something other than the cancer because it wasn't recognizing, your immune system wasn't recognizing the brain cancer. So we inject that into the cancer cells so that it'll recognize that and then attack the cancer cells by attacking, you know, this modified polio virus. And this is not, you know, this is not a trade secret. There's a website that you can see, you know, all the work that's been done on this. Um, But in a sense, all the vaccine is really doing is trying to help your immune system recognize when there is something there that is about to attack you and violate you, and then your immune system can then respond and attack that thing. Um, so that's you know your flu virus, your your polio uh, flu vaccine, your polio vaccines, the Ebola vaccines. That's the fundamental premise of it. It's helping your immune system recognize that there's something dangerous there, and then it'll attack it. Traditionally, the way these these work is you get a little piece of the virus, just for lack of a better phrase or a more understandable phrase. Get a little piece of the virus that's put into your body. Your body responds to it. It recognizes it. Oh, this is bad. Next time I see this, I'm going to destroy it. So that's that's fundamentally what's happening with like the flu virus. They're taking literal flu virus, you know, enough to, to not hurt you or harm you. In most cases, um, your body now recognizes that virus. And whenever it comes back again, it attacks it and you're able to handle it. Fundamentally, it's the same thing with the COVID-19 vaccines. Um, the difference that uh, comes with the new vaccines with the, well, they're all new, but uh, with the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine and the Moderna vaccine is this new mRNA technology, uh, which I am not that familiar with. I, I, I understand the concept of it's taking just a, a replicant of the of a spike protein from the COVID-19 cell and put it in basically it's not putting the actual disease into your body it's putting a, a replica of it into your body so that your body understands it but you also don't have to have the actual disease in there okay. uh, so it's replicating the spike protein you get that your immune system recognizes it, and then once it sees the, sees the entire COVID-19 it says no let's destroy that and it either makes it so that you're immune to it. Most people will be immune once you take the vaccine, or it makes it so that even if you do get it, your symptoms won't be as severe. You won't get hospitalized. You won't have to go on a breathing machine um, and things of that nature. So, gotcha. so that, that's the Pfizer Moderna. I'm not as familiar with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. I just not have not had the time to really just dig down into it. I did download the paperwork uh, that they submitted for the EUA from the FDA, uh, but I haven't had a chance to look at it. This work has just been crazy. Nine to five work has just been Nine too crazy. crazy to yeah, look yeah. At that. So <clears throat> nah, nah, that's that's a great, great information. So just take a one step back. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask you this because you went, you started talking about COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why, what's the benefits of black people I mean, I know this is an obvious question for you, but no, 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 no. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the benefits of black people participating in um, clinical trials? Well, the first benefit, uh, one of one of the primary benefits is once you start taking these medications, you can trust that it has been proven that it's helpful to black people specifically, you know, okay. because you've had enough people. And that's that's one of the things that went on with the with the vaccine trials for Pfizer and Moderna. They wanted to make sure that you had enough black people well, you know, non-white people, however you want to describe that, um, in these trials. So it's the same thing for any other pharmaceutical drug. If you're taking prescription medications, or even if you're taking Advil or Tylenol or whatever, anything that's FDA approved, it's better if it's been tested in people like you. You know, that's just a fundamental um, thing. The other thing is, 
um, clinical trials provide actual treatment. So say you are looking for, you have diabetes, there's this new um, drug that is for treating diabetes. Uh, they have a phase three study. You get it, you're actually getting a drug that may help you. Like once it gets to phase three specifically, and, and let me pull back a little bit. So there's, there's basically four phases in clinical trials. There's phase one, which is primarily uh, a small trial up to, I would say five, between five and 20, 25 people, something like that. You may get as many as 50 to hundred, but that's, that's on the high end. And fundamentally what you're looking at is this compound that I've tested in animals or tested in the lab by the time it gets to humans, this is phase one, is it safe? Like, is it going to actually cause my body to do something crazy? You know, my, my whatever, my pancreas shuts down or whatever. Um, so phase one, you're trying to just make sure that this thing is safe. Now, if you get any efficacy evidence, you know, it's actually working and stuff like that, then that's good. But fundamentally what you're looking at in phase one is safety. Phase two, now you're using more people. So you're, you're talking about maybe 100, 200 people. Um, some may even go to 500, depending on, you know, what the compound is. Now you're looking at safety, but you're also starting to really, really try to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Really trying to, to um, calibrate for the effectiveness of it. Now you've gone, phase one was safety, phase two is safety and efficacy. So now I'm looking at, okay, it's safe. I know it's not going to destroy people. I know nobody's dropping dead or whatever the case may be. Now I, know, now I can start focusing on, is it effective for what we're creating it for? Then by the time you get to phase three, which is the sweet spot, phase three, now you're up to a thousand, 2000, whatever the case may be, people. And you know that it's, you're confident that it's safe aside from maybe a few side effects. You know what I mean? Maybe it comes with some nausea, maybe you get headaches and stuff like that. But really what's happening is now we can really calibrate the efficacy. Now I can decide, is the uh, whatever milligram dose, the, the 20 milligram dose better than the 10 milligram dose? Is there no significant difference? Do we need to go to 30 milligrams? You know what I mean? Which one is giving us our efficacy that we can really say that this is effective, that is better than anything else that's out there on the market? Once you get your phase three data, now you can submit to the FDA. The FDA can tell you, okay, it's not approved. You need to go back and do more studies. No, your studies look bad. Don't do this anymore. Or you know what? it's approved. Now you can put it on market. Once you put it on market, now all your research becomes phase, is focused on phase four. Phase four is typically what you would call your post-marketing study. So you are looking at uh, feedback from people who are taking it. So once, a, once your physician prescribes it, you say, oh, no, I took this. And, you know, I don't want to say nothing crazy because people take stuff too seriously. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say your, your right arm fell off or whatever. But then people be like, oh, no, it make Drugs out there make it right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Typically, I've never seen anything that's egregious with that. Yeah. People ain't turning into zombies out here. But you know, you get prescribed that medication, and you find out, you know, there may be it may cause stomach ulcers for a certain amount of people that wasn't included in the previous evidence. So now the FDA is like, no, we got to take this off the market or something like that, depending Gosh. on how severe it is. Uh, <clears throat> so those those four phases. Um, so once black people participate in these phase three clinical trials, they're actually getting treatment. So if, if it's diabetes, if it's heart disease, if it's asthma or whatever, you are, are you have the opportunity to get top of the line, cutting edge technology for free. And typically what happens is they will pay you depending on you know what the study is. Now it's not gonna be some life changing amount because you know you wanna make sure that it's still ethical. But you know, they'll pay you for your time, pay you for your gas, depending on you know how much you make for a living, they might compensate you for the time that you took off work and things of that nature. And again, at the same time, you are getting a treatment that could help whatever you're suffering from. Um, so the first, the first benefit is, you know, you know you've got drugs that have been proven to be effective for you specifically as a black person. The second thing is you are actually getting treated for a, a, an ailment or a disease or something that you may have. The third benefit that's kind of more like an ancillary benefit is that you're helping other black people. You know what I mean? By doing this, I'm helping to develop this treatment, this medication, this beneficial, whatever it is, you know, because sometimes it could just be something that's observational or whatever. I'm, I'm helping other black people. You know what I mean? Um, you're helping people in general because now we're getting good data across the spectrum of all human beings. 
And we know, okay, it affects these people in this way, but it affects these people in this way. But if we tweak the formulation a little bit, or if, you know, maybe we, we lower the dosage for certain people, you know, um, it'll be better for them. So there are numerous benefits. You know, I could, I could go on down the line, but that's, that's probably the top three. The top three. Yeah. yeah top and um, before somebody jumps in the comments and be like, yo, you just said racism, racism, social, social construction. So we're going to just say ethnically, ethnically diverse population needs to be included in the trial. So if you don't like, you know, you get these young guns, they super woke. Oh, I'm not a black, I'm Ados or whatever, whatever terminology <laughs> they're coming out with now. <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> all these terms. So back in the day, it was the one drop rule. So whatever you're calling yourself now, uh, you, we whatever just need you to be. As. Yeah, whatever you identify as. Basically, what he's saying is that uh, the, the the trials needs to be more ethnically diverse, and what we used to call black people, <laughs> if you want them people, needs to be needs to be involved in these at least. At the very minimum, state uh, uh, phase three. Right, at right. The very, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, people people from of a European heritage. You know, sometimes these compounds are treat them differently, or they react differently to these compounds than somebody who is, you know, ethnically from Nigeria or something yeah. like. That. You know what I mean? And and sometimes those things can be. I mean, they can be very specific. You could have somebody from North Africa, and it it does something different to them. Somebody from Sub-Saharan Africa, or yeah. You know, it, it depending on your gemet, gen, genetics, you know what yeah. I mean? Heredity, you know, I could, my brother could, my sister could take it and I could take it and it treat both of us differently just because of something that's in our individual body. So, I mean, there's, there's almost an infinite amount of, of uh, different variables there, but, you know, we do see some consistency of based on your heritage as well. So. Got you. Um, so, but I wanted you originally to come on there before. Uh -oh. this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is years ago. This is years ago. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were, we were, um, let's talk about your book before we get into that. Mm -hmm. Talk about your book. What's the name of your book? I, I have it. I read it. This was years ago. I read it when you first dropped. Mm -hmm. Um, let me see if I can name the title before you do it. Uh, um, I see the picture that the kid from the side with the Afro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my man. Um, Joni, man, I love that brother. What's what's the name of your book? Brother, you are not the devil. Brother, you are it not. It sounds the devil. real preachy. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. that sounds very preachy, though. Yeah, like yeah, dope, like yeah. after after I wrote that, I was just like, man, this sounds like dumb preaching. And I, I don't I don't want to sound sound <laughs> like that. But you know, it, it was kind of the, the gist of what I was trying to talk about. So I yeah. I ran with it. Um, yeah. So, brother, you are not the devil. Uh, I wrote this in 2018, but it, it was probably like over a decade in the making. Um, and I think you and I talked about this before, you know, um, you have certain stuff on your heart, certain stuff in your mind for like years and you, you might be sketching out or thinking through it and processing it or whatever. And it never actually becomes a book. Um, and what I was doing was I just had so many ideas um, just through my work with young people, just through growing up and being black, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Being black in America specifically. Uh, just so many ideas, um, being Christian or, or Christ follower, because you got to be careful with saying you're a Christian now, because don't nobody know what that means. Um, you know, That's what we're going to get into Christ, that. We're going to get yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah, being a Christ follower, <laughs> being from the deep south and stuff like that. Like, I, there was so much that I wanted to know growing up um, that there was no manual for. You know what I'm saying? Like, like people are like, yeah, all your answers is in the Bible, baby, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And, and I believe that that's true to a certain extent. But how you apply that, I think, is very different for every individual. Um, but I think there are some consistencies in how we apply that as, as black people, especially black men, especially young black men. Um, and, you know, I kind of wanted to get that down, you know, for the young guys that I was working with, um, people that I've worked with in prisons and stuff like that. Like, I wanted them to have something that wasn't as complex as the scriptures, but at the same time, it wasn't too preachy, but at the same time, it was encouraging. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, it was something that you could just go to a section and read it, you know what I mean? And grab something good out of that section. Or even if you don't feel like reading that section, you can go to the summary at the end and kind of get the cliff notes and get the fundamental ideas of what I was talking about. Um, and eventually, all, excuse me, all that came together in the book. <laughs> That's kind of what it was. There was no, you know, grand, God told me, go write this book, or anything like that. It was, man, if, if I had had something like this when I was younger, it would have helped me just process, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was going through 
um, a lot of the stuff that that my friends and I were going through um, and just understand that. So that's where it comes from. And it's called Brother, You're Not the Devil. Um, and the subtitle, it's crazy. I forget the subtitle, but I don't, I don't read the book. <laughs> so <laughs> like I don't feel bad by not recalling that book title. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, feel bad yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Brother, You're Not the Devil. Oh, um, um, a primer on revolutionary life. So life is an acronym, love, intellect, faith, and emancipation. And it breaks down those four fundamental ideas and, and, and how they come about in the scriptures, or at least the, the scriptural context form, uh, but also just the application, like the real-life application of those four principles. Um, I call them four superpowers because mm-hmm. I think that that mastering love, mastering our intellect, mastering our faith, and mastering emancipation, which is obviously freedom, but it sounds cooler to say life than it does to say lift. So I chose emancipation over freedom. But mm. um, fundamentally, I feel like there are four superpowers. And I feel like the closer that we get to mastering those four superpowers, that everything else in life can, is manageable. I, I won't say it's necessarily easy or that it all makes sense, um, but it definitely leads us more toward benefits. Um, it kind of decreases some of the risk that we take and some mm. of the, the troubles that we fall into. Um, and that's the crux of it, man. I, I just wrote it uh, to just take a, not necessarily a deep dive because I didn't want to get too scientific. I didn't want to get too, too theological with it. Uh, I wanted it so, you know, a ninth grader could pick it up and understand it and immediately be able to apply, apply something to make his life better. Um, okay. I, I, I've heard people that read it say that they would they did that. Um, parents have told me, you know, that their kids have did that. Um a couple guys had told me that, that they, they dug it, you know, so that was the thing. You know, I wouldn't, I, I, I was going to give it away, but I felt like I spent like $5,000 getting it out. Yeah. I should at least charge something for it. And people don't respect stuff when you give it away. Like, they don't. Nah, nah, they don't. For whatever reason, when something is free, people don't, yeah, they don't respect it. And like, yeah, the, the value is different. Yeah, people yeah. feel like if you can give it away, then it can't be worth that. Can't worth, so, yeah, yeah. I think it, I was it, charging like ten dollars or something for it. But yeah, I got know, the I digital. Know. I got the digital joint on um on Google Books. That's what's but, up. I yeah, I, I read it from cover to cover, and I think we we had a conversation. I guess right. we're gonna have a conversation in the public. I right. think it was um a very good book, and I I think I think my only criticism was that I I think uh for your for the demographic, I think you were trying to reach. I think mm-hmm. you. Use some of them uh, SAT words in there, <laughs> and, and that's yeah. that was the problem. That was yeah. the problem, and, and I recognized that even if, even as I was writing it, like you know, yeah. you do the whole there's a thing on Word or something that tells you, you know, like the whatever it's some kind of score or something. That yeah, tells yeah. You, or the clinch whatever they call it. it yeah, yeah. Clint, something it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it was tough. I mean, and yeah. again, like I said, part of this I wrote while I was in college. Yeah, it was, some you of told it me I wrote that. Yeah, a little yeah. bit after or whatever. Um, so you know what I mean. It was tough. I did get it edited, so at least yeah. it wasn't that many spelling errors, <laughs> too many spelling errors, or anything like that. Nah, I, I spent the grip. I spent like five grand, like just getting the illustrations and, and getting it put together. Um, but you know, it kind of is what it is. Man. Yeah, now nah, it's a very good book. Um, and we're gonna I'm gonna have the, the link to it in the in the show notes. But it's I don't a very even know if good I got book. it up anymore. I had to, you got to took it down. <laughs> Give me time to put it back up or something. Yeah, because I had to pay for that Shopify link, man. That's so crazy. Oh, Shopify charging oh. like $30, $35 a month, man. Got you, got you, got and you. And it's just something that I wasn't pressing like that. So I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like I was doing, you know, going to bookstores and having reads and stuff like that. Like, I wanted to do it. And and part of it was I was challenging myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, this has been lingering for years. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. I finish this book? Can I make gotcha. it something that actually has value at the same time. You know what I mean? So um, I still have copies. I still, you know, I can get more, you know, if anybody wants it. Um, you know, they can, All right, so we just, gonna, we just going to uh, put your contact information if they want That's it. What's up. That's they can just hit, hit you like, yo, I want the book. Because I don't oh, I don't oh. even have the hard copy. I have the uh, the, right. the, the, the PDF, the, the e-book version of it. But yeah. that was a very good book, man. I, I, and I was like, um, I think like, yeah, like a, a younger black male, uh, like you know, between like you know, I'm gonna say like 14, 25 would probably definitely get a lot of value from it. Or I guess anybody that's that's lost, but I think that key because I think that's a key moment in everybody's life, but specifically black male life where you like, yo, what is going on? Because we get all these messages from everywhere, whether it's rap music, whether it's you know images on on TV and film and all that type of stuff. Or what black malehood should be and look like, and then like your book is like, yo, hold on. Right. Although they saying this, right? 
let me put you onto this right over here not without to give out you know yeah you said the life the, the life the life acronym you know what i'm saying like yeah master that, master I mean, that yeah right like like it was really you know this is the core like whatever yeah. direction you go in hold on to this part and it'll help you navigate all the other stuff you know this yeah. is not going to answer all the questions that you have in life it's not going to tell you why old girl broke up with you for the football player or nothing like that <laughs> but you know what i mean it was yeah. it'll keep you from from trying to kill yourself because of that you know yeah. what i mean if you, if yeah. you understand these principles or whatever you know it's it's not you know it's not going to walk you through how to keep the bully from beating you up yeah. But you know what I mean? It'll help you understand what that bully might be missing that will make him do something like that, but also help you navigate around that space so that, you know, you're not destroying yourself and thinking that, you know what I mean? I'm getting bullied because I'm ugly or I'm getting bullied because I'm not valuable. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and that's what, that's what happens. And, and you, know, I, you know, I tell young people all this time, all the time, you know, I was bullied in school and I bullied other people. So I know, you know, both sides of it. You know what I mean? A lot of times that's where it comes from. You know, a lot of bullies became bullies because somebody used to bully them. You know what I mean? Pick on yeah. them about their clothes. You know what I mean? Not knowing that their mother's doing everything they can to keep food on the table. You know what I mean? She fighting her own addictions, her own challenges, trying to find a good man. And, you know, she can't afford to put him in good clothes. So he get bullied. And then the next thing you know, he beating up other people. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because he don't know how to deal with that. He don't know, you know, where that, where that comes from or whatever. So that, that's kind of, you know, the objective of it is just to really give give young men especially, but I think anybody that reads it could kind of get something, something of value from it. Yeah. So let's, let's end on this. So you, you made a distinction between, so I, your Facebook, I don't know if you're still doing this cause I'm not as on as much as I used to be. Right. Your right. Facebook posts were kind of sort of like the Chad Downey ministry sometime, <laughs> but you would always post something and then go deep and you're very rooted in your Christian them. Is that, that yeah. Uh, and you make a distinction, but you made it on here. That's the distinction between uh, walking like Christ, I think, and you said being um, the, the the typical Christian. Christ follower versus Christ. a Christian, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Christ follower versus a Christian. You yeah. make a distinction. So right. please explain that distinction that you make, in your opinion, and why is that important? Why is that distinction important? Oh, of course, of course. And to be clear, I, I got, I got my my wife gave me a good window that I could work in, so I don't have to get off. But if you got to yeah. get off, yeah. I respect your time frame. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, and, and I wish I had come to the understanding of this when I was younger. Uh, but you know, I grew up Southern Baptist. Church was a big part of my life all the time. You know, I'm 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 that stereotypical Southern Baptist that grew up. You know what I mean? Your parents make you go to church on Sunday, you go to church on Wednesday, you go to church for whatever they got for the youth on Saturday, Sunday evenings, you got choir practice or, you know, you might have revival Monday through Thursday. Like, that's how I grew up. Um, but I grew up with a lot of religion and I didn't really understand what it was to be a disciple of Christ because you're not always taught that. You're taught how to be religious. You know, um, Henry, Henry Gates just did this uh, documentary on the black church. Um, and you know, that's kind of what it is. We understand what church is, but very few of us understand what it is to be a disciple of Christ. And there's a, there's a distinction. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I'm a Christ follower, I, I do what Christ said to do. You know, he, the first thing he said was go into all the world and make disciples, teach them what I taught you, live that out in front of them. He said the most important two principles you'll ever have out of the scripture or your relationship with me is number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind and all your soul. Number two is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And very rarely does our religion teach us any of those things with any level of depth. You know, we understand, you know, how to preach. We understand how to sing. We understand how to catch the spirit. We understand how to give and take offering. We understand the concept of, well, I won't even say we understand the concept of it, but we're familiar with the concept of tithing. We, you know, all of these things, but all of those things are not necessarily the crux of following Jesus Christ. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that now, like it's coming to the top way more than it used to. Um, I think Donald Trump did a good job of drawing that out, you know, to where what you call Christianity is something separate from what you would associate with somebody who's being Christ-like, um, you know, and, and that is has been huge you, you, in quote unquote American evangelicalism. You know, you look at that and this has all been supported by white supremacy and it has all supported white supremacy in turn. Give you an example of, of what I'm talking about. Um, if you look at the top theologians in American evangelicalism, most of them are probably white men. 
you look at uh, the um, the theological schools that are not HBCUs, the theology schools, you look at Duke, you look at the Harvards and things of that nature, most of the professors there are going to be white men. Look at Liberty University. They're going to be white men. Um, if they have black people on staff, and I've done this research, so I know, and you can Google it, again, like we were talking about Google, when you look at it, if there is a black theologian teaching, guess what he's teaching? Urban theology. <laughs> or he's mm. teaching the African-American church or something like that. He's not teaching, you know, the fundamentals of the faith. He's not teaching discipleship or these, you know, these flagship uh, majors or, yeah. or areas of study because um, they're all left to white men. You look at the people who dictate what Christianity is or what evangelicalism is in America. They're all white men. You look at the Southern Baptist Conference. Uh, now that they're changing a little bit, but but they they are pushing back hard on anything related to the concept of Black Lives Matter. And I'm not talking about the group Black Lives Matter because some of that stuff should be obvious on why a Christ follower would disagree with it. But you know the concept of it. You know um, they're all for defending policing in America, not police. The concept of policing in America. They, you know just all mm. for it. Um, you know, and one of the things that has helped me realize is, man, you know, I have been studying my faith from a white supremacist perspective. And what I mean by that is Christianity is a Middle Eastern religion that grew up in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, but now most of the teachers of it are white European descended men. And that's where the theology is coming from. You know, now you can seek out African theologians or you can seek out Middle Eastern theologians. But even when you do that, they are following what's been taught and what came primarily out of the Catholic Church. You know, you know, we call it Protestantism and say that it's separate and it is separate in some ways. But fundamentally, these are the same concepts and the same ideas um, that come out of the, the Roman Catholic Church and things of that nature. So, you know, long story long, that difference you know what I mean? Me understanding what discipleship is and being a disciple of Christ and his teaching is totally separate from what we understand Christianity to be. Because when we talk about Christianity, we are talking about a religion. Some people say, you know, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. We well, can say that about any religion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the religion of Christianity is founded, rooted, celebrated, and celebrates in turn white supremacist ideas. It's, that's just the way it is, especially when you get into American evangelicalism, evangelicalism in general, and white evangelicalism. But that's separate, again, from Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ taught was the most important thing. Um, that's, you know, led me to recalibrate the way I deal with the LGBTQ plus issues or, or those kinds of issues. Um, you know, am I, am I leading with love or am I leading with quote-unquote Christianity and, you know, evangelicalism, because they're not the same. <laughs> you know, loving your neighbor as yourself is not the same as, you know what I mean, you can't be a man because you don't have male physiology. And, you know, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree with the concept, but that's not where I'm going to start. You know, and, and people, you hear people say, and I'm sure you've heard people say this, uh, hate the sin and love the sinner. But when you hear people say that, be honest about how many people have you felt like were really practicing that when they said it? Because, mm. because even, and I'm talking about me being in the church, mm -hmm. in the church, like I have heard bishops use the F word to describe homosexual people. You see what I'm saying? And, and I'm confident you know which word I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. This is not. This is not in conversation, which would be just as bad, if not worse, not on the side. This is during the sermon. During the sermon? That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and you're using this, and nobody stands up and say, you know what, that's not right. But that, so this was in the South, you seen that? The South, y'all yeah, different. Y'all y'all different. I was in church, what you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying, but y'all yeah. are different. Y'all are different when the, the, the Bible Belt, y'all a little, y'all yeah, yeah, go, yeah, 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 you go, you go real hard with it, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we real different, but yeah. you know, and, and there's reasons for that. You know, you know, the North is is liberal in you know, kind of different ways. I, you know, I don't know if it's if it's a positive or a negative. I, I think both has benefits and um, drawbacks. Uh, but no, you're right. Like like you know, and that's that's I ran into issues because I was 
like I was the person that would be in the room and would raise his hand and just be like, yeah, no, I'm not following you. Like, how do yeah. you, how do you feel like you can do that um, and still be Christ-like? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wasn't, I'm not aggressive like that. Like, I'm not, oh, you wrong. You, it's, it's, okay, let's process what you just said and, and, and why you feel like that's Christ-like. You know, because because you're my leader, like I'm I'm following you, and and you know even over time I, I grew that I grew to understand that I was wrong in having that perspective, like like I don't I don't need to follow a bishop or a pastor or whatever. You know what I mean? I I have I understand what the scriptures say and the access that I have to Christ for myself. So if I do submit to a pastor, it's a decision that I make. Am I making sense? Make it one hundred percent. You don't. You don't have to have anybody tell you what the scriptures mean. That's what Christ came to do. He came to let you know that you have full access to me. Um, you know. But I, if you know, if I feel like there's somebody who can lead me and guide me spiritually, I can give them that respect to say, you know what, I appreciate the way that you break down the scripture. I appreciate the life that you live. And you know, I would like to. I would like to follow that. I would like you to, to help me learn how to do that, um, in the sense of of I'll be a disciple for Christ, but you can be, you know, the person that I that I would lean on to help me do that. Um, I don't recall how I got here, <laughs> but but you know, yeah, Christ likeness versus Christianity. So yeah. So so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is. Would you come back on the the deep do a deep dive? Because that was the original. Like years ago conversation right, that right. I wanted to have. Do you right. would you come back on to do a deeper dive than what we just did on it? Of course, of course. Like yeah. anytime I can do something like like I love it. I love it. The yeah. only thing that that kind of like stops me is just obligations. You know, yeah, nah, nah. I mean, there's no pressure on you because I know you got nah. the, the four little ones. I love it, man. Yeah. I, I love it because this is this is this is how I learn. You know what I mean? I know yeah. you you're interviewer, so you mostly ask the questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather than, you know, it being so much of a as much of a dialogue as it could be, you know, if we were you were teaching me and I was teaching you, yeah. you know what I mean? But just by asking the questions, it helped helps me to process. Yeah. Um, you know, and understand. Cause I've I've gotten a lot from being on Facebook, even though I'm not on there as much anymore. You know, that's a conscious decision, but just the pushback, you know, you throw something out there. And somebody says, not, you know, not the people that say, oh, this is dumb or oh, you're another one of them or something like that, but somebody that questions that. Because now I got to understand why I'm throwing that out there and what that means. But not only that, if I'm a Christ follower, I have to do it in a certain kind of way. So when you push back, I got to be gentle. I got to be kind. I got to be trying to be compassionate enough to understand why you ask that question before I even start to answer the question. Does that make sense? That makes 100% sense. So anytime I can do something like this, for me, it's it, it strengthens me because now, you know what I mean. I get to to work through my ideas. Where you yeah. sometimes you're reading and studying, you don't you don't get that opportunity. You know. Yeah. So that, that, that so the podcast is really like trying to. It's for this. It's for the conversation. Like mm-hmm. I was the I was more interviewee interviewer. I guess is the word right. Right. more than I normally would be. Only right. because I want early on, at least early on, I wanted you to. You know, let people know about the clinical stuff. That's why I was right, asking right. like the right, obvious questions. Because, yeah, because people, what I've what I've seen on social media, like people really don't. People are so uneducated and mm-hmm. so like being loud and wrong and so following the memes that I I think this is whatever change we do by putting this out in the universe. Right. Hopefully, help somebody understand and make them do their own research, right, right. but. Always write. I continually write, and will continue to write. That ain't no minds being changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I appreciate. I, I, I mean, I appreciate a lot of stuff that you post yeah. or whatever. But, but when you said that, I was like, yeah. man, you know what? That's a that's a good way to make sure that I'm not overdoing it on, on social media. That I yeah. that I keep in mind that look, you're not out here to save the world, and you know everybody is gonna start to see it the way you see it, or yeah. you know uh, stuff like that. So no, I, I appreciate you. I've, I, I've stolen that, and I've said that before. And I don't necessarily know that I've given you credit for it every time. Yeah. So if you see it, feel free to say I was the first one to say that. So now I got it from a, a it was a version somebody told me before, and I just like yo just made it my own. Like because when, you, when you really think, yeah, yeah, I just moved it out because when you really think about it, it's like man, like. Like especially on social media, I mean, people might be changing their minds, but they're not gonna tell you on social media because everybody has to be right on on social media. And like, when I initially got on Facebook, which was years ago, like, 
it was a different type of vibe. And then they opened it up to the whole world. So you might be going back and forth with the dude that was, a, you know, was on the short bus. You know what I'm saying? And you, <laughs> like you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, you don't even know who you're talking to. Like, yo, this dude wasn't, he reads on the third grade level. Not no shots at them, but you could be going back and forth with them. And they just, it, they, it's not going to click to them. You know you, what I'm You ain't even close to register. And, and yeah. that's one of the things that I said, you know, about something else is, you know, you have to be really careful who you engage because it, it takes energy away from you. Time. One of the decisions I had to make was if I if I figure out that I'm talking to somebody, that it's going to take so much effort for me to drag them from where they are just to the fundamental baseline Basically, of what I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. And I got a decision to make on whether or not I'm going to give that energy away because somebody else might already be at that baseline and just have one small little tweet that mm-hmm. they want to make. My energy is better spent with so 10 much. of those than it is dragging this dragging one person. person. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a fundamental understanding of what we're talking about. So Yeah, you know, I want to I want to do this longer though, man, but I like I told before, I think I don't know if I said this on the record, but I had I scheduled my things back to back cuz I'm I'm batching them now. Um so if y'all see me with the same shirt on, well, I don't care what y'all think about me, but it's going it's all recorded on the same day. <laughs> They're going to be released differently. But um last question. Mm-hmm. Uh have you thought about or are you active in like ministry? I don't know if you want to say leadership or right. like pastor, bishop. I mean, I know it's levels to it, right? Bishop means something. Right. But are you like leading? Because I think you have a, 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 like I said, the reason I wanted you to have you on, because I think you have a great way of explaining, because hmm. explaining Christ like versus Christianity. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I, I was. So I, I was, I've only been in two churches in my life. I've, I've only ever joined two churches and, and, and I've always felt like, you know, the first one, you know, my parents helped me make that commitment and it was home. The second one, um, I made that commitment and I always felt like I needed to, to, to be committed, you know, tough times or, or not. So I have been licensed as a minister. I was licensed as a minister in both churches. See, you didn't um, tell me that. You keep holding out, man. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not at all holding out. Yeah, not yeah. at all. But, but, yeah. but the reason that you know, I'm glad you asked that. So I'm not no longer involved in any institutional church. What I mean okay. by institutional church is it, it follows, you know, these uh, white evangelical traditions, which, which is what they are. You know, these are not. You know, when we talk about the way we do, quote unquote, do church in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's not anything like what you'll see in the rest of the world traditionally. That's become that because, you know, the West is, is kind of taking over what religion is going to look like. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, that was never the way church was intended to be. Um, so just to make that distinction, I, I call that kind of the institutional church. Um, but right about a year ago, um, my wife and I decided that it was time for us to um, leave where we were and just to really focus on being Christ-like, you know, looking at the Bible and seeing what that looks like. Because I, I challenge anybody to pick up a Bible, go to Acts when the first churches were starting, compare that to what you see church being nowadays. And if anybody, anybody, I, this is an open challenge. If you can get what we have now from what is in Acts, I'll go back. Right? I'll go right back. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, I don't think you can do that. So, so yeah, I've, I've been formally, you know, done the training. I actually started, um, started getting my master's at uh, Liberty of all places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we started having the kids, and it was just like, yeah, this is not not going to be feasible as far as that was concerned. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've, I've got the formal, whatever kind of background um, to be able to have, you know, at least a relatively intelligent conversation about. It. Got you. So I got to go back to Acts and and and, and see if I can challenge, see if I can challenge, because I, I never read Acts. So it's funny, guy. I started I started the Bible multiple times with saying I'm going to read it from start to finish. And I never got the ask. <laughs> but... You have a Bible like like you can't, and this is why I tell younger people, especially, you can't do that with the King James version. That's what that's. You have so much tension just trying to understand what you're reading, like just the the text of it, that yeah. you won't like a part of it. So my suggestion is to get something you understand. I don't care yeah. whether it's you know, the American Standard or you know the uh, English Standard or yeah, yeah. I have the. Uh... It's a standard one. It's not the traditional King. Well, none of them is traditional, but um, it's not the King James version as with the the. It's, it's basically the, our language today. Basically, what you understand. I tell people to start with John. Uh-huh. 
really get kind of the core of what Jesus Christ was saying and what he came for. But yeah, specifically when we were talking about what the church should be, what church should look like, yeah. uh, I would say read Acts, specifically Acts chapter two. And it's not, it's not long, you know, you can read Acts chapter two and see what they were doing. They were basically leaving the synagogue and being with one another in small groups from house to house, breaking bread, um, taking communion, eating, um, talking about how good God was, singing songs and praying. Like that was, that was, was it. it. Yeah. Telling you what, you know, these dials, does and so. So, um, but we, yeah, we can get into that. We get in there. Yeah, man. So tell people where they can find you. I don't know if you, uh, you want them to have that information, but whatever, <laughs> wherever they can. Whatever, man. Like, I, I, I would just say up front, like, I'm not, like, I'm intentionally not as, you know, social media active as, as I have been. Um, but feel free to email me at C Downey, that's C D O W N E Y, at Zanis, Z A A N E S dot com. Um, you can email me at C Downey, C D O W N E Y at dhcarver.com. Um, I'm on Facebook um, at Chad, Chad L. Downey. Um, but, you you know, CL, or CL Downey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so CL Downey, but I think yeah. the app is, so isn't, it, isn't the app, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, look for CL Downey. Send me a friend request or something like that. I, if, if I get on there, you know, I'll friend you or whatever. Um, I have a page for DH Carver Clinical Research as well. Um, I have a group called... Um, Clinical trials for Black people. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to keep it simple. Oh, clinical trials for the Black community. Try to keep that as simple as possible. Um, but yeah, email is a good way. I mean, I'll give out my phone number. Like I don't care. Like I, yeah. I, I, I know numbers all the time. You can call me nine one nine five four three two one. I might answer. I might not. If it's important, <laughs> I'll call you back. Like <laughs> there's a lot of spammers out there yeah. giving like, numbers and stuff. Yeah, but you know, people can get in contact. All right, man. Thanks again, man. Love you, brother. So, I'm glad you're doing it because you know I did a podcast for like one episode and I was just like, nah, it's too much work. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought you did a couple episodes. You did more than one, didn't you? I may have done two, but I think it was one. And I was just like, by the time I went through the editing and all of that, it was just yeah. like, like I just don't. Maybe I'll get back to it one day. Maybe you know I wait till you develop the blueprint and come back and do. It. <laughs> I'm saying, but yeah, no, absolutely anybody. Yeah. Now I was on SoundCloud. I listened to it. It was on SoundCloud. That's where I listened to it at. Yeah, yeah. I think it might still be up there, but you know, obviously it's old, but yeah. Yeah. So, all right, but people, again, if you want to follow him, I'll put it in 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 the show notes. If you want to reach out, if you want his book, you can email him. And he gave out his number. Um, you can call him. But as always, if you like this show, please like, rate, review and subscribe and share and think about becoming a donor or or advertiser on the podcast like this costs money to do it's not free uh but again to the next time peace all right